Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live the Sage Life podcast with your host, me, Lisa Van Hera. And on today's episode, it's a little bit of a sneak peek into what it looks like, what it sounds like inside my group coaching program, the Sage Inner Circle. So these are lessons and insights, sometimes meditation and energy work as well that we do in this group once a week. So come on inside and take a sneak preview of what it looks like, what it sounds like to get some real personalized group coaching environment within community and other people as I share this with you. Hello, everyone. And tonight, we're going to do a little call and session on where you guys know I've been, which is Bali. And why I wanted to talk a little bit about Bali tonight is one, I mean, as you guys know, watching um, shows on TV or having been to other countries yourself or traveled yourself, it's like every culture, every place has just such different ways of living and ways of life. And I think one of the most amazing things about travel, there's so many lessons that go into traveling anywhere you go, any, even if it's for a family vacation or whatever, right? You're, you're going on these trips or these experiences to connect with what's, uh, what's the experience you want to have. But also oftentimes if you're traveling with family or, even destinations you haven't been, there's triggers that come up along the way, there's um, frustrations or problem solving or whatever. And with that, you're learning how uh, to manage your emotions, how to manage yourself, how to really remember that you're really only in control of yourself, in control of your reactions, or instead of reactions, how you're responding. And especially if you're traveling with family and stuff like that, then that can always be a little bit more um, of an opportunity for growth, right? (laughs) An opportunity for growth. So what I want to talk about Bali tonight is it's, it's all about Bali and it's not about Bali because it's about what it is, this journey you're going on, especially a big trip like this, where I was going halfway around the world And I've never done that before. I've never traveled internationally before, and I've never traveled that far. The farthest I had gone was Hawaii. So a lot of fear. So we're going to talk about fear, moving past the fear, um, a little bit about understanding cultures and what we can learn and gain from them and then bring it back home. So learn and gain from your trip to bring it back home wherever you go. But With that, um, what was I saying? Um, Oh, there was a lot of fear coming up before the trip. So there was fear coming up because I was traveling so far away. There was fear about, well, I've never been here. What is it going to be like? What do I need to do? You know, we want to know all these things, whether we're going on a trip or whether we're going into a new job, into a new relationship, um, really any aspect of life, the mind... Uh, really wants to know what we're going into. And that's just not how it works. Like, it's just not how it works. We have to surrender as much as we can to connecting with, is this something I really want to do? Is this where my soul's really calling me to go? 
is this what um, I'm really feeling called to do? So I had to do that over and over and over again. If I go back on the timeline of Bali, I knew about Bali almost a year ago when it came up about this event um, in Bali. And then I had committed to going and then, you know, I actually had to really commit and buy my plane ticket and then really commit and make sure that I had extra days and The reason I'm saying this is over and over again, I had to consciously decide that this is what I'm actually doing. I had to consciously decide and commit to this is what I'm doing because it wasn't just a little decision of like, yeah, I'm going to take four days and go down to Florida. This is like, I'm going to take this amount of time and go halfway around the world. So what does that mean? What do I have to plan for and all that stuff? So The reason I bring this up is the more and more we're aware of the fears that are coming up around something and the more we're connecting with that fear of like, well, what is it that I'm really afraid of? So I was afraid of going that far, um, having enough money with me, uh, making sure we were safe because I didn't really know anything about where I was going or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, Making sure that... uh, business was covered at home or whatever needed to be covered. And then I was still in contact. I didn't even know if my cell phone worked over there. So what I could have done is let that fear um, inhibit me and limit me and second guess myself, decide not to go because on that timeline, there was multiple opportunities should you really do it? Should you really do it? Should you really do it? And that could even be somebody saying that to you. That could be um, challenges or roadblocks coming up. But, you know, sometimes people can look at that as like, oh, well, it's just not meant to be. And I'm just going to pull out and not do it. And that can be true. That can always be true. But what I'm sharing with you, what I did with going to Bali was each time I was feeling that fear, I connected with that fear. Because I was remembering that fear is just an illusion. It's not really something real most of the time. Like fear is useful if we're putting our hand on a hot stove. That um, fear of now doing that, I know not to do that because that's not going to help me. It's going to hurt me. Or getting too close to the edge of a cliff. Or um, certain things with driving. Fear can be a useful tool. But where it inhibits us is when it consumes and takes over other parts of our life of now it's constantly trying to keep us safe, constantly trying to keep us in the, you know, safety net, safety zone. And we're not thinking beyond or connecting with the fear and moving beyond what's really going on. So when I would take time to connect over and over, and literally when I say connect, because you might be asking that question, well, what does it mean to connect? Is I just sit there And I asked myself, like, well, is it something that I need to do? Is this something that I really feel called to do? Go to Bali. Um, And I just listen and feel in my body, like what I'm connecting with. Like, how do I feel? If I'm feeling like, no, you know, a lot of times you can even hear yourself um, like, no, this is not something I want to do. That's, you know, ESP, if you've heard of that, like extrasensory perception, where 
we can a lot of times get kind of like a gut feeling about something of like, well, is this something I should do? Is this the person I should give a call to today? And different things like that. You're tapping into your senses when you're taking a moment to connect and really ask yourself, well, what am I really afraid of? That's number one of like, well, what am I really afraid of? Okay. If you're going through everything that you're afraid of and you're really seeing that, well, these are just things I'm afraid of because it's, I'm going out of my comfort zone. I haven't done it before. I have no idea what to expect. And gosh, as human beings, we love to know what to expect. We love to have some sense of security in that. So every time I did that, I was dissolving those illusions of what the fear really was. So again, fear can be useful, but for me, it was every time I connected with it, I was seeing that the fear was just holding me back, wanting to keep me safe and not moving forward. So every time I connected, then I was like, yes, this is something I I not only want to do, I need to do. This is something I'm really feeling called to do. And then from that point of being, that connection, then I was making my decisions, not from a state of rattled fear of um, in uncertainty and all that stuff. So do you see the difference between making a decision from just a unsettled state of being in fear mode or in survival mode, as opposed to making a connected conscious decision really taking a moment and it doesn't have to be minutes. It can be even a moment of like, is this what I'm being called to do? Is this what I, I really want to do? And you don't have to close your eyes. I just do because I um, feel for myself that I connect better, faster and deeper that way. So over and over again, every day of our lives, we're having decisions that we're making. And that was one of the things that was so um So intention is just such a huge part of it that I didn't even realize was a big part of their life. And that's where um, even when you're going to the temple where this water was coming out, these were like three different healing water um, pools within this temple is each one stands for something in particular. So one could be for disease, like you're going under the water to cleanse and Um, heal disease and one is for teeth and one is for hair and one is for um, uh, organs and different things like that. So each one is very specific, but then each time you're going to a fountain, you're being intentional of like, well, what are you asking for? And you're healing right now. What are you asking for in cleansing? So the intentionality is something we talk about a lot within making goals or within a lot of the the books, even within um, the four agreements and so forth. And it's something they have built into their lives. It's something that they learn from a very young age. So with that, how are you being intentional on an ongoing basis throughout your day and not just on this um, default mode, not just on auto drive or auto autopilot. You're really being intentional and specific with, well, this, um, even having presence and intention with your food you're eating, even having presence and intention with how you're showing up for work, how you're showing up on this call, how you're um, in everything. So with fear added to that, what we were talking about, all this fear coming up, going to Bali, 
how can you bring more intention to your day to connect, to address any fears that come up, to really ask yourself some of these questions. That self-inquiry is something that is so transformational. Um, I can't remember the name, but there's so many, several gurus that have become enlightened just by the practice of self-inquiry. That's all they would do is just inquire within over and over again while asking themselves questions, going deeper with each thing. So I wanted to share something else with you on the three layers of understanding. So the Balinese believe that there are three spiritual layers, mandalas and everything. The outer layer, the middle layer, and the inner layer. These three layers are also evident in the (laughs) architecture of Balinese temples and even homes. So there were three layers. You would be in the outer um, section of these temples, and then you would have to go like over through a gate. There was like these two um, stone, it's not temple stone, like formations, right? And then you would walk through the middle. But the two things that are providing that access symbolize, they say, prayer hands, like opened up, but also a mountain. And the mountain is, so every gate you're going through of these three layers is you're going over the, um, like over the self, over the challenge of the personal journey that you have to go through to get to each phase. So kind of like the hero's journey, if you're familiar with that. So the outermost layer of Balinese spiritualism is an area where the difference between black and white is still obvious. So that outer section, those that are really swayed between two opposites are considered to have a spiritual level that is still within that outer layer. So if you're in that outer layer, you're in the consciousness understanding of right and wrong, good and bad, this or that. So you see that duality. That is why the cloth is only used in the outer area of the Balinese temples. And when it says the cloth, it's like this white and black checkered cloth. So that is like everywhere all over Bali, these uh, white and black checkered cloths. They'll wrap them around statues, they'll put them on temples. Um, Some certain people of a certain profession or stature even wear them. And that is what that cloth is symbolizing. So it's like, first when I got there, I was like, this is like, why is there cloth on everything? And it's a symbol of that. And then there's even more symbols and deeper meanings like beyond that, depending on if it's on a tree or if on a temple or different things. So again, very intentional. They have very specific meaning to what they're doing and how they're treating their land, their buildings, and so forth. Um, The deeper someone's spiritual understanding gets, the less obvious is the lines between black and white. And one will not use differences as an excuse to show anger or hostility towards things, people, or events. The deeper one evolves, the more the ultimate unity of all things appear. So really, this is kind of cool because it's just symbolizing like your journey within. To me, that's what they weren't saying that's what it is. But to me, it symbolizes that where, you know, we're maybe before you met me or before you met started your spiritual journey or before you um, 
came to asking yourself some of these questions, like we're, you know, we're obsessed with the doing, we're obsessed with the success, we're obsessed with um, everything external. That's the outer layer uh, that they were talking about. And that's when we're in this or that mode, right and wrong. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of, um, well, am I doing it the right way? Uh, is this the right way to do it? You know, all that kind of stuff. You see the duality. So very black and white. And then when we're starting to do more calls like this or read more books like The Untethered Soul or inquire with self more with questions, with journaling, with um, discovery, with meditation, then we're going into that next layer of the temple of like, okay, well, there's really more going on than I realize. And there's really more that I want to see and I want to expand my mind. And I'm realizing I don't know. Like, I don't know. I want to learn more. That's when you're going into like the inner temple and, and how I was relating to it. And then, of course, the very inner temp, uh, very inner section of the very intersection of the architecture of the temples is where not a lot of people get to go. You either have to be a priest or you're there for a special ceremony or whatever. So it's a very sacred area, very sacred space of it. And you have to be wearing proper clothing if you are going in there. Um, but again, it's, that was the section that's like closed off. You can't go in there if you're, um, not accompanying, of course, with like a local, you have to be a priest, you have to, there has to be a reason that you're going to go in there and be proper, properly dressed, bring a proper offering. And even from the outer later, you had to give an offering, but it, you know, even more so going into the um, middle. And the, the, the offering isn't um, so much about worship or like anything like that. It's really an intention setting of, you know, I, love and appreciate this land that they're asking for the balance with, um, everything. I mean, that's only a piece of it, of course, that I'm explaining. You could totally read up on it, but it it's more than that. And a lot of it is about balance, which as you go more into the layers, then that's what it's all about is more about unity. It's not about black and white. So, you know, on the black and white checkered cloth that they put on everything, where the white and black crosses, there is that starts to be that gray area where it's like the, the two colors cross. So it's not white, it's not black, it's more of that gray. And that is what we're working on is we're working on going more into the gray where it's not like we have to live in such judgment of everything in our lives, of ourselves, of our experience. Um, even having done this so much, I realize, especially on social media, even if you take a moment and scroll on social media, it is so easy to go into judgment of judging somebody else for what they're posting, judging yourself for not putting yourself out there more or whatever it is, all this judgment, like literally blinds us. So we start seeing the world through this like, um, muddied lens, or if you have glasses or sunglasses, Sunglasses might be a great example. And you have so much sunscreen on them. Like you put sunscreen on or something and then it got on your glasses. It's all over that. You put them on and you're like, I can't really see through, especially if you're at the beach for the day, you can't really see through the sunglasses that well. And then you realize, Hey, um, I'm going to hop out. I'm going to clean off my sunglasses. And then when you put them on, you can see 
clear, right? So it's the same thing that analogy related to, it's the same thing that we're doing in our lives with all these judgments, with all these, um, the right and wrong, with all the uh, fear, we're making those glasses really dirty. And now as we're coming back in, we're starting to remove some of that layers. We're starting to peel some of that off. So it's like, we can see everything for what it is, not for either what we think it should be, what we taught it should taught what we've been taught it is. And you know, all these different things. So as you're working more and more in your spiritual practice or your growth, that's mainly all, all it's about is about your growth. You're coming into the deeper uh, levels, the deeper internal um, internal layer of yourself and who you really are, what you really are. When you stop and think about it and close your eyes and you're like, well, who is the observer of the thoughts, who is the observer feeling these feelings and emotions, you're realizing like, I'm not the body. I'm not the mind. I'm not the emotions. This being within the body is the observer of all of these things going on. So our body has senses. Uh, Of course, the senses of fear and different things like that to keep us safe. But then we're really starting to question some of that is when is it useful? Is it useful now? And is it holding me back from really experiencing things like Bali? Like, um, I don't know, the trip to Italy or uh, wherever you want to go. Or if you want to go skydiving, is it holding you back from some of these things that you legitimately want to experience in your life? But the fear is like, no, we want to stay over here and just stay where we know what we know And where we know what we know, everything's like super comfy, cozy. It's like cuddling up with a nice warm blankie and we can be so certain about things. But really, there is no certainty. There is no certainty. We are not guaranteed to wake up tomorrow morning. We are not guaranteed next week. So if you really think about it and really connect even with that is what are you limiting yourself from exploring and doing because of the need for certainty when we essentially don't have any certainty at all. We really don't. We really uh, conceive and create a sense of certainty, but that is not actually what we're guaranteed. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed next week. And we don't have to live from a sense of fear from that. It's just living from a sense of connected synergy of what is it that I really want to experience in my life? What have I always wanted to do? What can I plan to do? How can I overcome some of these fears? How can I get support, um, understanding and learning how to move through some of these fears instead of living my life on uh, the bench and staying in the, the safety zone? So that is what I'm sharing with you guys tonight. There's like endless lessons from Bali. Um, I love traveling anyway, but I've never been on a trip that challenged me so much to think about things differently, have so many conversations 
in even getting there. <laughs> so that was a huge uh, lesson in communication. And also just a faith, having faith to trust yourself. And I think, and I, I know that's what we get away from as kids we don't really think about it too much. Of course, the only thing we can trust is our internal instincts. And we're just in such joy and playfulness, um, exploring the world and looking at everything with just such like uh, rose-colored glasses, right? And then we get older and we're like, eh, we got to work. We got to do this. We got to do this. We got to be responsible, all this stuff. And what we get away from is really trusting that internal knowing. We all have an internal, like, uh, if you want to relate it to ESP, like an internal knowing of like, this is, this is what I need to do or want to do. And we've all had moments of that clarity. But the more we go back to, is this something that I need? And only you know. We all love to go ask everybody's opinion or kind of get other people's input. And that can be valuable, but... A lot of times we're usually asking people that are in fear themselves or, uh, you know, want to keep you safe from a loving place like family or parents, but they're maybe not going to give you the best insight or self-discovery of how to get some of those answers. So just keep that in mind. Like we all want to get insight feedback from other people, but just be mindful of who you're asking and are they really giving you the uh, the best connection for that, because only you really know what you need. I a hundred percent believe that nobody, like there was a great saying one time, it's like, uh, the, the conference call with you, nobody else is on, right? It's like, you're having the conference call with yourself. You're connecting with yourself and trusting what you know, So it's like over and over again, I had to trust and connect with that of, I, for some reason, feel called to go on this trip. For some reason, I feel that it's the right time to go. And for some reason, I, um, I have to learn to trust myself even more. So that practice of faith, of moving through that fear, asking yourself the questions about the fear because sometimes it is a tool. Sometimes it is useful, of course. And then other times, the majority of the time, (laughs) we're using it as a crutch to keep us where we are safe and where we are certain. So as you go to sleep tonight, when I said that, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, none of us are certain how long we have or what tomorrow brings. There's two words that are essential to say before you go to bed and in the morning when you wake up, which is thank you. Going to sleep at night and just saying thank you. Thank you for a day. This goes into that intentionality. Thank you for the day. Thank you for the experiences. Just saying thank you. Thank you to God, source divine, whatever you believe. Uh, Thank you for letting me have another day. Thank you for this experience of another day. And in the morning, waking up is thank you for another day. Thank you for another day of being alive. I get to connect with people. I get to drive my car down the road of the park, whatever it may be. And you're just taking in that moment of appreciation and gratitude. 
So that wraps up the end of the preview into the Sage Inner Circle. I hope you enjoyed this episode and this podcast today. If you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. You can find more information on the website at www.livethesagelife.com for information on coaching, events, this podcast, and more. If you'd like to find Lisa on social media, look for Lisa Van Hera on Facebook and Instagram or Live the Sage Life on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening.